I'm so excited about today because it's the end of the series. And I don't know about you, but I, I have enjoyed the series because really our series has, has a basis kind of comment. It's like, I want to believe, how do I believe in God? I want to believe that God is good, but life seems unfair. How do we believe in God? How do we believe that it's good when life is so unfair? And so we've had a look at the book of Habakkuk so far, versus Habakkuk is the classic person for us to find out what to do. Because Habakkuk, unlike all the other prophets in the Bible, was not a prophet that spoke to the people on behalf of God, but he actually spoke to God on behalf of people because what Habakkuk saw, he decided and believed that God was being unfair. That what God was doing was not okay. That God could do something about this, but he wasn't doing something about it. And so we see in chapter one, in the first week of the series, we see that, that Habakkuk has this problem where he's wondering, what are you doing, God? Because what he sees with his eyes is so different to what he believes in his heart about his God. And he finds himself wondering, why, God, do you not seem fear? And all of us have that at time to time. And then last week, when we looked at chapter two, we went from wondering to waiting. How many people love waiting? How many people wish we could go back to lining up at the supermarket? Not a single person in the room, because nobody likes waiting, right? And so what Habakkuk is saying here in, in chapter two, and you can go and listen to the podcast uh, of the other weeks, but what he's trying to say is like, God, when are your promises going to come true? Like, I know that your promises come true, but when? You know, like, I don't know about you, but there's plenty of promises in the scripture that we grab hold of, don't we? Yeah, come on, talk to me this morning. There's plenty that we grab hold on to. That he's our healer, that he's our deliverer, he's our provider, that you and your whole household shall be saved. And we kind of like, I know your promises are true. I know that they're yes and amen. I know that your word doesn't go out and return empty, but it accomplishes everything that it sets out to do. But when? When is it going to happen? Why am I waiting? And then we find out that, that he says to Habakkuk, he says, man, he goes, though it linger, <laughs> at the appointed time it will come, though it linger, wait for it. It will not delay. And it's like, man, it feels like it's delayed. Can I get, it feels like it's delayed. And that word appointed time is the Hebrew word moed, which means unstoppable force. In other words, it's, we came to this conclusion, this whole thing that if, we, if it isn't God and we try to force it, it won't happen. But if it is God, nothing can stop it. That when we wait for God to come through at the right time, not your time, but the right time, then it becomes an unstoppable force in your life. But if we try to make it happen, it ends up in disaster. And we know that because you just have to look at the story of Abraham and Sarah and they wouldn't wait for the promised son to be born, so they tried to do it via Haggai, and they ended up with Ishmael, and Ishmael today is the father of all the Arab world, who still is at fight with the Jewish world. When we force it, that turns into a disaster, but when we allow God's timing, and we're patient, and we wait for it, it's an unstoppable force. When it's God's time, you can't stop it. And the very last verse in chapter two, he comes to this place where Habakkuk goes, I just don't understand it, I don't get it. The Babylonians, our enemies, they seem to be winning, they seem to be, yeah, and you're not doing anything, God, I don't understand. And he says this in the last verse of chapter two, he says, but the Lord, 
but the Lord, even though I don't understand it, even though I'm confused, even though I think, God, you're getting it wrong, even though I'm struggling here to embrace you, even though I'm struggling with doubts, even though I'm struggling with this whole thing and I'm wrestling about whether you really are that good, but the Lord, but the Lord is in his holy temple. In other words, he's saying, you know what? All this stuff I don't understand, all this stuff seems to be going wrong that shouldn't be going wrong. You don't seem to be doing what I think you should do, but the Lord is still on the throne. He's still the King of Kings. He's still the Lord of Lords. And so this perspective starts to shift in Habakkuk and we come to chapter three. And in chapter three, he says this right at the start in verse one. Now, when I pronounce this word in Hebrew, I'm not swearing, I'm pronouncing it correctly. And if you don't believe me, you can ask the staff, because I put it up on Google, how do I say this word? And I played it over and over again, and then they looked at me and said, are you sure that's right? Google said that's how you pronounce it. All right, so don't write me an email. I'm just, it's the word of the Lord. You guys need to relax a little bit. It says this, and this, this word is so important this morning. If you get nothing else, you need to get this word. I'm serious. A prayer of Habakkuk the prophet on Shittanoth. That's how you pronounce it. Don't believe me, look it up on Google. Shittanoth. Now, what is Shittanoth? What is that? Why, like, why is that word so important? You know how often we read past stuff and we just brush over it because we've got no idea what it means. Let me explain to you what the word shittanoff means. It's, it's actually directions on how to sing a song. It's directions of, of a musical instruction to a congregation of people about how they should sing. A little bit like, hey, this next worship song that we're going into, I want you to sing it as a love song to God. Yeah? Or the next one we go into worship has kind of a hip-hop vibe, so I want you to rap it to Jesus. It's an instruction of how to sing the song. Shittanoff means to sing with strong emotion, with impassioned exuberance. It means wild, passionate singing. It means high-spirited praise with vigorous enthusiasm. Basically, it's praise with punctuation marks. It's like a whoa at the top of your lungs. Now, the reason why we need to understand this is because what he says in this is not very woo kind of stuff as we go into chapter three. But we have to understand that Habakkuk is saying all this from a position of exuberant praise towards his God, of one of just passionate verbency of praise of God. He, he's, he's praying it like this. He's not like, I don't understand why this is all going on. Why are you man. You hate me. I'm going down in the garden to eat worms and nobody loves you. He's not coming from that position, even though the words sound like that. He's coming from this position of exuberant praise. It's praise with punctuation marks. This is how he's declaring what we're about to see. And if you don't understand that that's the position he's coming from, this chapter won't help you, it'll just hurt you. I want you to understand about Habakkuk chapter three is that he's coming from this position 
where he is praising God even though nothing is going good because sometimes the most passionate, authentic praise is actually the praise before the provision. The best praise is the praise before the provision. The praise before he does something. Because it's a praise simply based on faith. It's a praise for who he is rather than what he has done. Oh man, we have no trouble praising God when he does what we want him to do. But do we praise him for who he is? Come on. Do we praise him because he's Savior, because he's the Lord of Lords, because he's King of Kings, because he's the righteous one, because he sent his son to die on the cross for you and I? Do we praise him for who he is or do we just praise him when he does what we want him to do? This is the kind of position that Habakkuk is coming from. It's shitting off, it's praise before anything happens. It's not for what he has done, and it's not for what you think he's going to do. This is praise for who he is, for his character, for his nature, for his goodness, and for his glory, and no other reason. And it's from that position that Habakkuk says this in verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds. Lord, listen to this, repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. In wrath, remember mercy. In other words, he's saying, I know what you have done and I'm asking that you would repeat it again. That you would do it again in this day, in our day, in our time, make them known. And God, in your wrath, because we know that's what God's using the Babylonians to do, because Israel had walked away from God and he's using his enemies to discipline. And he's saying, in your wrath, remember mercy. Remember mercy. In other words, there's been times before where we have walked away from you and we have abandoned you and we have complained about you because we know the story of them coming out of Egypt. Yeah, they just whinged and moaned and whinged and moaned and whinged and moaned and whinged and moaned the whole time. And he's trying to say, in amongst all our whinging and our moaning, you did all this amazing stuff and I want you to do that again. And just like... You were merciful towards us then. I want you to be merciful towards us again. Come on, God, do it again. I've seen you do it before. I know what you can do. And I'm going to praise you and I'm going to believe you that you're going to do it again. I'm praising you, God, not for what is going on, God, but I'm just praising you because I got some shinning off in my bones. So, what do we do when life gets difficult? But he goes on and he gives us some things for us that I believe that we can carry into our worlds when we're starting to go through times when we don't understand what God is doing. The first thing is remember, it says this in Habakkuk 3.3, God came from Timan and the holy mountain of Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and his praise filled the earth. First thing is to remember the goodness of God and you're like, what is that scripture all about? Well, you've got to understand that these places that he mentions, these places are very meaningful to Habakkuk because they're the two places, Timan and Paran, where God took his people for refuge after delivering them from the Egyptian bondage. This is the place that God took them to after delivering them. So when he says, I, I remember these things, I remember, he's remembering that God delivered them. He's saying, I remember 
when, there was, when we thought there was no way and you made a way and you softened Pharaoh's heart and you split the Red Sea and we walked through it on dry land and then when our enemies came after you, you caused the waters to come over them and destroy all of our enemies. I remember that because I remember the refuge of these two places. I remember that you caused us to walk through on dry ground, that you destroyed the enemies that pursued us. God, I remember when you were faithful. I think back to your goodness, God. God, and I know you can do it again. He's saying to himself, remember what God has done. Remember his faithfulness. Remember his goodness. In Habakkuk 3, 4 to 6, he goes on, he says, his splendor, he's talking about God here, his splendor was like the sunrise, rays flashed from his hands, where his power was hidden, plague went before him. Pestilence followed his steps. He stood and shook the earth. He looked and he made the nations tremble. God, he said, I remember your faithfulness. I remember your goodness. I remember your justice. I remember your presence. I remember, God, when you were glorified through all that you did. I remember when you shut the mouths of hungry lions, when Daniel was thrown in the den. God, I remember when you spoke life into the dry bones and they came alive again. Sometimes when you're in the valley, you just simply have to remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God and get your shit on on and start to praise Him. You need to remember the goodness of God because I don't know about you, but when I'm going through difficult times, I don't always get this right, but I'm trying to train myself to think back to all the things that God has done for me to think back to everything that he's ever done. And here's a thought, guys. If all he ever did was give his son to die on the cross for yours and my sins, that was enough. That was enough. Sometimes you have to go back through your life and remember the goodness and the faithfulness of God. What do you do when you're in the valley? The first thing you do is you remember. The second thing you do is embrace. The mistake that most of us make, and I include myself in all of this, is that when we're going through a valley time in our lives, we endure it rather than embrace it. Don't endure your valleys. What am I trying to say? Well, enduring is kind of a passive response to something that is happening to you. I'll just tough it out. It is what it is. I'll just get through this. I tough my way through it. It's a passive response to something that is happening to you. I want to encourage you this morning. Don't endure when you're in the valley. What we need to do in the valley is embrace it and believe that God is good. Embrace what he is doing in the valley. Embrace what he's doing in the tough time. If you think about Habakkuk's situation, he felt like the enemy, the Babylonians, were winning. And the reality is, they were. He looked and he recognized this as a bad thing, that they were winning. Also, he realized that it's about to get worse. But he embraced the situation. He embraced it, and with everything in him, he still declared that God was still on the throne. He still declared that my God is a good God, that my God is always faithful. And what I love about this from, from Habakkuk so much is it's not, a, it's not a statement of denial. 
or as we tend to do sometimes, pretend agreements. Do you know what a pretend agreement is? It's when we say things like, yes, God, I trust you, when really on the inside you're like, I don't trust this situation at all. It's a pretend agreement. God, if you, if you do this for me in this situation, I'll follow you for the rest of my life. I won't just give you 10%, I'll give you 50% if you come for They're pretend agreements because you don't really mean it. How, how can you say that? Because I've seen people make those agreements and never fulfill them. I've seen family members say, if you do this, if you come through for me, I'll get back to church and I'll serve you for the rest of my life. No, they didn't. It's, it's not a state of denial. It's not a pretend agreement. It's not like, I know what I'll do here. I'll just praise him even though he's not coming through. Reverse psychology, that'll make him come through. Come on. You know that's what we do sometimes. I don't really believe that this is gonna happen, but I think I might try a little bit of a reverse psychology on God. Because he's so dumb, he don't know. If you're smart enough to pick it up when your kids are doing it, he's smart enough to pick it up when we're doing it. Come on. It's not a pretend agreement. It's not a state of denial. It's, a, it's looking at the bad news in the face and declaring it's bad. It doesn't look good, but I still trust my God. With everything in me, I'm going to continue to embrace his goodness no matter what I see. And he goes on and he says this in verse 16, he says, I heard and my heart pounded and my lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. He's talking about when he sees the Babylonians coming. He is scared. He is very afraid. And listen to what he says here. Yet I will wait patiently for the day of calamity to come on the nation invading us. Though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stores. In other words, he's saying, even though this is disastrous and there's nothing good at all that I can see going on, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God, my Savior. Even though I'm still praying and I can't see an answer, even though I'm still praying that we will conceive, but we haven't conceived, even though I'm still asking for that job, that provision, that blessing, that answer that I still haven't seen yet, though I've lost something so precious to me, so valuable to me, be it a family member or whatever, and I don't understand, though I've cried my eyes out and prayed with everything within me for you to move and you haven't moved yet I will rejoice in the Lord the God of my Savior he's just like remember he's coming from a position of praise with punctuation marks he's declaring this not in a like I haven't not in a depressed manner but in a in a manner of just saying God I'm being real I, this is what I'm seeing but I have to embrace that even in the season where everything seems to be going wrong, I have to embrace your goodness. I have to embrace who you are, your character, your nature, and I will wait patiently for the, what they deserve to come upon them and I will trust you in this situation. There are dozens of reasons why I may not want to rejoice, but this is not a half-hearted one. 
You know, I've had times in my life where it's like, I know I need to praise him in the midst of my problems. And so it's like, yay, Jesus. You know, it's half-hearted. It's not for real. It's like, I'm in church, I'm the pastor, so everybody needs to think that I got it together. So it's, you know, it's, it's the Christianese that we use. You know, when you come into church and somebody says to you, how are you doing? I'm doing great things. I always ask people this, is that a Christian answer or a real answer? It's, it's not a half-hearted thing. It's not a like, I know I'm meant to do this. I don't really want to, and I don't really believe it's gonna work, but I've read my Bible and I heard the pastor, and he said, this is what I should do. It's not a half-hearted thing here. It's not a half-hearted song to God. It's shit enough. It's full body, full soul, everything within me, declaring the praise and the goodness of the glory of God. It comes from the depths of his soul. This is a faith that worships when everything is not right. This is a faith that gives God praise when you don't like what you see. This is a cry from the depths of our heart, believing in the goodness of God in the middle of pain. It's not half-hearted, it's shitting off. It is full body, full praise, no matter what I see, no matter what's happening, no matter what my confusion is, I I'm going to embrace the valley because I know that he's good and I'm gonna declare his goodness even though I can't see it. This is praise before provision. It's praise with exclamation marks, not for what he has done, but for who he is, for who he is. Because friend, when you're going through the darkest times, who he is is the only thing that you can hold on to. Holding on to what He has done, you will fall and you will fail because then your relationship with Him is via His performance. And as long as He performs, then I'll follow Him. But when He doesn't perform, I'll walk away from Him. That's why in chapter one, we, it, the whole thing is He's wondering, but don't walk away from God. And chapter two is in the waiting, don't quit on God. And chapter three is get a new perspective while you're waiting. Understand who He is. He's, it's not about performance because He doesn't love you for what you have done. He loves you for who you are. Habakkuk doesn't resolve to make the most of a bad situation. He goes so much deeper than that. He looks the truth in the face. He doesn't deny it. He says it's not good. This is not good. He says it's going to get worse. The grapes aren't coming. There's no grapes. There's no figs on the tree. There's no blossoms coming. All I can see coming is judgment. But he says the Lord is still in the temple. He's still worthy of praise. And here's what I want you to see. Here's what I want you to understand because Habakkuk's coming from this position where he's praising God in the midst of horrendous stuff that's going on. And this is what I want you to see. God doesn't, God never does what Habakkuk wants him to do. If you read the story, he never does what Habakkuk wants him to do. God does what God wants to do, but he never does what Habakkuk wants him to do. There's never a day where it's, it's okay, everything's better now. It doesn't happen. 
It doesn't happen here. But I want you to see the very last words in this book. The very last thing that Habakkuk says is in verse 19 of chapter 3. Listen to what he says. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of deer. And he enables me to tread on the heights. Deers have their feet in such a particular way that they're able to climb up mountains that you and I could never climb up. He's saying here he's sovereign. He's my strength. He makes my feet like deer feet so that I can climb on heights that I never thought that I could climb on. He enables me to tread in heights that I believed I could never tread on. That enemy tells me that I'll never get out of that valley. You'll never get up that mountain. You'll never get over this. But he makes my feet like deer. He takes me to a more intimate place into the heights. He takes me to a place of greater faith. He takes me to a new place. Oh, I enjoy the God of the mountaintops, but I get to know him in the valleys. I love to praise him for what? But in the valleys, I simply get to praise him for who he is. I love to brag on him at the mountaintops and what he has done, but I get to know him intimately in the valley. And it's time to praise God even when you don't see it. It's time to praise God even when you don't feel it. It's time to cry out and praise to him. It's time for shitting off, not just for what you see, but for who he is. Then what I want you to understand is you can't have a chapter three shitting off moment if you don't have a chapter one wandering and a chapter two of waiting. If you don't do chapter one and chapter two, you'll never get to the place where like Habakkuk, you can declare, even though nothing looks right, even though everything looks bad, even though everything looks like it's going crazy, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. He is the God, my Savior. You will never get there if you don't. Be honest about your wondering and the struggles and the doubts you have that God's not afraid of. And then there's the waiting and the trusting that in the due season, when He comes, it's unstoppable and nothing can get in His way. You will never have a shitting off moment until you have worked through your wondering and your waiting. Because then you can come to a place where you go, I don't care if you never do another thing for me in my life. You are the Lord who is in the temple. There's something that God does in us, a trust, a faith, a passion that He can't do any other way than through the valley. What do you do when you're in the valley, friend? You remember Him for what He has done. Remember the goodness of God. You embrace Him. You may wrestle, you may have doubts, but you embrace Him. And you don't let go, ever. I just want to close your eyes just for a moment. I want to pray for you right now in this moment. I pray for you right now. Father, I pray in this moment that we will lift our hands while we're waiting that we could praise you even though we're hurting, God. 
Give us the faith to praise you, even when we don't see the provision. God, not just for the what you do, but the who you are, God. We want to praise you for that. Help us, God. Give us permission. Free us to wrestle, to push back, to cry out, to even acknowledge our doubts. But God, let us never, ever let go. Because you will never let go of us. You will never leave us and you will never forsake us. We might feel forsaken at times. You might feel lost at times. But I'm here to tell you this morning that He is the one who seeks and saves the lost. You might feel lost, but God is all about the found. And I'm believing this morning for you, friend, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're going through, and maybe life is going good now, but maybe in two months you start going through a valley that you'll never ever feel lost because you're gonna embrace Him in the valley and you'll know that you're found. You'll know that He is with you and you'll be able to declare just like Habakkuk, I will rejoice in the Lord, even though everything's going wrong, even though everything looks bad, even though everything's going to get worse, I will trust in Him.